Hey, Gavin. Hey, Louie. Girly, before we even get two steps into this podcasterista, we simply must take a second and say, happy birthday, girl. Oh, thank you. I was like, where is he going with this? Oh, no. <laughs> Louie's no. leaving the show. Oh, no. <laughs> Brace yourself. Brace yourselves, girls. I can't girls. Go through I'm going that again. Wild places. No, Gavin, you turned 3,000 years old last week. I did. Week. The, um, and it has been 3,000 years of longing, wow. truly. <laughs> but Honey, wow, 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 wow. I don't look a day over 2,999. And, and I love you so much. <laughs> um, I hope, I mean, to everyone, I mean, it's been just, uh, you know, the busiest time of the year, I think, for everyone. Yes. Yeah. It, I, I love that, like, the unfortunate thing about the Patreon version of this show is you can see me roll my eyes when you say that, but it truly is. It, it, it is. And I, I know it every year because my birthday falls both in between the two major holidays, the yeah. Christmas and the new year's and yeah. And yeah. Everybody's just out and about. I went home. I went upstate. Uh, you were on the radio. I was on what the radio. Is this? It was Are so you leaving random. me for NPR finally? Actually, I was featured on NPR. No, was it NPR? You were. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I did an interview with Texas Public Radio uh, about a story I wrote for Texas Highways Magazine. And uh, it ran Christmas weekend. And I guess NPR picked it up. And it was on um, All, All Things, Things Considered. Considered. Yes. Why do I know this more than you? I'm like saving the clippings from the newspaper. Yeah. My boy Louie is <laughs> yeah. making something of himself. <laughs> Well, because I knew that it was going to be on Texas Public Radio, and then a random friend of friend was like, is this Louie on <laughs> All Things Considered? What's so casual? Um, yeah, I didn't know that was going to happen, but it was really exciting, really fun. Um, I gave a little shout out to our show. I'm just very happy and grateful that they asked about the show. And so I was like, oh, my God, hi. Um, it, yeah. If you've not had a chance to listen to this yet, by the way, it is so good and so joyful. And Louie is such just a natural. Not that I mean, not that he hasn't been doing a podcast for over five <laughs> years, but like just so fun. And you clearly like had such a good rapport with the host and yeah she I don't was know, great. It, was, it was a delight to listen to i was very you know it was fun it was i mean i, I yeah i i stayed and i stayed here for christmas and so it was nice though to like kind of have that and share it with my family who are back home and um yeah it was great so uh thank you but also uh like i said happy birthday and to everyone out there you are now listening to us in 2023 we are glad you all made it absolutely um, oh wait we should we introduce, need to introduce ourselves. ourselves. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is The Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre. We take two weeks. We cram in as much information as we can, and then we impart it all back to you. But that's not what we do with our first episode of every year. I know. We do a rundown of the yes. last year in yeah. film. We're reviewing the entire year. Yeah. Um, and Let me we tell you, cr- thumbs down. No. <laughs> <laughs> we were cramming. This is oh, the key yeah. word. Um, yeah, there's there's so much out there now. And I think we talked about this like a couple years ago, though. Like with streaming and the pandemic, like we are seeing more. I mean, this is all content everywhere, right? There's more of it. There's just more of it. Yeah. But, but what I love is like we are getting more of it from more places. Um, we're seeing like this year alone. I'm, I mean, we saw all sorts of different shit. Um, but you and me specifically, we saw the tiniest, weirdest stuff at the Bowery Film Festival. You know, absolutely. Like, you saw the biggest, sparkliest, razzliest, dazzliest stuff at like the New York Film Festival. Like it's, 
It's uh, everywhere and in between everything, everywhere all at once. And uh, it's funny because it's just, oh, very good. Everything, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, the the pro- proliferation of, of just being able to make a movie now, you know, it's not just a... It's not just a trust fund babies. It's just yeah. not a it's not just a Nepo babies field. Okay. The gatekeepers. <laughs> they're uh, out. They're out. Um what's in this year is micro budgets, gate crashing. <laughs> uh but it it's cool to be able to see and I mean you know, there's arguments to be made that that's that's always happening and you, you just sort of have to find a way to find it, but I yeah. I think like exactly like you were saying that the you know for all of its awful awful things so we're not saying thank you pandemic but (laughs) there are positive very small positive side effects that have made it easier for people to really go out and do their thing everybody and their brother has a streaming service and you know unless you end up on hbo max there's a good chance they'll keep it on that streaming service we're getting hot we're getting hot. yeah uh but uh so yeah, it's just it's really impressive to to see what's out there now and whatnot. But also on the flip side of that, it's interesting to see what is sort of decided that it isn't theater worthy now yeah. because there's a hesitancy to put things in theaters that they don't think will make money, and right. we're seeing a lot of mid budget films relegated just to streaming services. We're seeing a lot of animation, and that blows me away because if there's one thing I want to see on the big screen, it's animation. It's yeah. the way animation looks and makes you feel and all that work. Like I mean like all movie making is work, but like literally these VFX artists and like cartoonists doing small details and uh yeah, I mean I remember when Turning Red, which was yeah. last year my favorite movie already of the year. Um <laughs> I think I said my favorite movie of the year was the Turning Red trailer. Um yes. and um they fucking shuttled that off to Disney Plus and oh. I was so sad um because it's it's really such a fun movie and um an yeah. important movie, you know. I uh, loved it. I love yeah. I you know, genuinely and I think people think that I have like a highfalutin air to myself about that sort of thing and would ne- would never admit to like it but no it was great i think yeah. the the a, a lot of the energy behind it was really amazing and definitely a worth seeing and i would have loved to have seen it on the big screen yeah um i think this is going to kind of uh get into one of the headlines that i wrote for the episode um because obviously there is a lot of debate about like what's going to the theater what's not you know uh, just recently uh, glass onion was in theaters for a week and yeah. then it's out for everyone and like that's and good it made, and bad it guess. made bucks when it was out for the for the week that it was out and that's what's crazy is most of these streaming services are not to talk business too much, but they're operating at a loss already. Most of them do not make money. And that's why you're seeing the reaction to what's happening at HBO Max currently. And so it's really bonkers to see Ted Sarandos, the head of Netflix, be like, nah, we don't need to make money because they made so much money in just one week of Glass Onion that they could actually be making, you know, Profit, but the thing is, is they don't really care about profit. They care about views, right? And those are different things, right? And I also think like Netflix's main product is not movie making; it is their streaming service. That is their product, and so they don't care if it's making money on a big screen. They need people to click subscribe, yes. and 
and and that makes you know that's their core product which you know is unfortunate because for a lot of filmmakers netflix is is a, the studio like they are the distributor they are like everything um and it's fucking crazy because just last year or two years ago whatever the fuck when knives out came out like that was a regular original movie that like was yes. in theaters and like people loved and like and was huge and made huge. a ton of money so and, I, I feel bad that i'm the guy that keeps bringing up money but like let's face it mainstream movie yeah i'm very shallow <laughs> and uh by the way Greta! i would let I would not let Louis co-host until I checked his credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and let me tell you, no. <laughs> but uh, but th- that's definitely the thing is, you know, I hate to p- keep bringing up money, but most, you know, the mainstream film business is a is a money-making venture, mm-hmm. less an artist venture. Mm-hmm. Um, you're lucky if you find somebody who can combine both. Mm-hmm. But, and th- that's the thing. And so it, I... You know, I'm going to bring up money, but I'm not really going to talk about box office because I don't give a shit that much. But right. Um, Okay. Do we have. Okay. Let me admit that I forgot again to do the poll. Oh, wow. I didn't even I didn't think about it either. But twas Christmas. Yes. (laughs) And I feel like honestly, I was like, I don't give a shit. Marilyn is an icon. She is amazing. Um, And I hope. All of you that listened last episode, um, maybe learned a little bit more about her. Maybe um, learned about a movie you want to watch that you don't know as well. Because um, that was really fun to go through. You know, I I, I really like doing our old school throwback episodes. Yes, um, I lo- I mean, I absolutely love doing them. I mean, I it's always eye opening. Uh, not even necessarily. It's eye-opening to see the things that I've missed, the things that I've sort of put on the back burner to yeah. be like, uh, I can always watch this someday. Right. And the show gives me the opportunity to finally go and check those out. But yeah. it's also really funny to to go in and be like, oh, there's a reason why people don't talk about this one. <laughs> or even being like, people like the seven-year itch. Why? Yeah, exactly. Well, What's I mean, that? different generation, right? And that's the that's the other. There's a huge age divide between you know the people telling you what movies are good and and people discovering movies on their own and we yeah. live in a time where there's so much access and i i you know i don't want to just talk about streaming but there there are ways of finding films that if you you know it's unfortunate that sometimes it has to come to other means let's say less savory means <laughs> yes <laughs> but there are absolutely ways to find films that but we have you know, our ways but I, you know, we just live in such a fascinating time with such access to media that, right. you know, if you, if you want it, you can get it. But that's also like the interesting, th- the flip of that is that like we are seeing that uh, they can also go away so quickly. And uh, there's a really interesting story on Vulture. It was mostly about TV shows and like how not but 20, 30 years ago when shows went away, they went away. Yeah. You know? Like the the we used to buy DVDs, you know, and but if the shows didn't come out on DVD, like you you wouldn't you would never see that shit again. Um, you had to like hopefully find it on reruns, and that's I mean movies, you know, it's uh, I mean that's the cyclical nature, right? Because yeah. it used to be exactly the same way with movies. Movies didn't have a home video presence until really the eighties. It started sort of in the seventies, but you had to be rich, right? And you know the. If you wanted to see an old movie, 
back in the day, you would have to go to a repertory screening, which wasn't always happening everywhere. You know, most major studios didn't want to put things back out that they didn't think were going to make money. So basically, the the people that were doing it were Disney, because they Mm -hmm. knew their cartoons would get people to, to kids to go see it. But yeah. Yeah. And and that's, we're kind of like in that cycle again, you know, of like, oh, once again, these studios, these distributors are like, we're not going to fucking pay royalties for these movies that are not returning. And so that's what we saw HBO Max just like wiping out, you know, shows, yes, but also movies, like movies, fucking movies. We one saw of, that one, they, of, one of the worst films of the year, Moonshot. They took it off. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. You can't determine that for yourself. <laughs> um, I mean, and then also obviously like canceling movies, you know, we'll yeah. never see Batgirl. And that's a shame. I, um, I saw somebody and like, this is, this is my forum, whatever. I saw somebody be like, I don't understand why everybody's so upset about them canceling Batgirl. They cancel movies all the time. They don't cancel movies that far into it. Right. It's rare a movie that is in the post-production phase is like <laughs> jettisoned. Yeah, the, the movie, she's been wrapped, okay? Right. Like, <laughs> uh, <but sighs> people don't understand. People don't understand. Um, okay, Gavin, let's get into the meat. Um, I thought we should just start. <laughs> I, I've asked you to stop calling me that on the podcast. <laughs> Sweetie, <laughs> you're looking juicy. <laughs> She's been basting all year. Oh my god, have I ever? <laughs> um, I thought we should start with just like holistically uh, zooming out on the, on the movie going experience this year. I mean, we've we're now you know balls deep in pan- post pandemic movie watching, right? Like. Right. I, well, not necessarily that the pandemic's over. We just no. live in a society that's decided right. it is. Right. Po- post, uh, post, but also during pandemic movie watching. <laughs> um, and I, I, th- I have a, a, a theory about, you know, what movies want to be, what executives think we want to see. Um, for me, I, th- I thought, my my big headline is like maximalism is yes. everything mm-hmm. everything is this not since i mean jesus like fucking talk about like full circle like not since the 3d craze which came out because of fucking avatar um and here we are again hello um have i realized recognized kind of like noticed that everything is just bigger louder um more thrilling um quote unquote uh, right right like or in the in the hopes of being that um everything has to be an event you know yeah um and and not to say that there are movies that were not that of course they were but they typically do not live at your local regal or amc yeah. um it, i i wrote down a couple of things that for me, like, fit the bill. I thought, like, I saw The Northman, which was a movie that came out early in the year. Very early in the year, yeah. But had uh, real lasting power. Ended up on a lot of people's top tens. I still never got around to see it because it, I didn't make it a priority, which is my bad. It's a fully bonkers cuckoo banana movie, and I, I like it a lot. Uh, but, and I you can just tell, though, I mean, this movie did not make a lot of money. Uh, people were like, can they make this, like, kooky, crazy movie into a blockbuster? The answer was no. Um, <laughs> but I, I was like, you know, and I, I also, I had the same thought. And, like, please do not come for me in the comments. Um, when I was watching Multiverse of Madness, which, like, Marvel this year was a snooze. I'm just in it, whatever. Yes. I 
I don't give a fuck. But, I, I mean, I think there was... Uh, well, I, I'll let you finish your thought, but I think there was one passable uh, comic book movie the entire year, but continue. Well, when I was watching Multiverse of Madness, you know, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I thought it was just another entry in the canon. But I was like, this is kind of fucking rock and roll, like in an 80s, like big hair metal type of way, where it's just like full-on bananas. Like when Doctor Strange was wearing a cape full of souls, I was like... Yeah, okay, like, it's, she's doing something, she's saying something. Um, <laughs> but, you know, again, like, I thought Top Gun Maverick is also a good example of this, where it's just, yes. like, bigger, loud, I mean, talk about it, I, I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick, I, I think Tom Cruise is a fucking crazy person, um, but I was, I was with um, previous guest Samantha Stallard in the theater on the edge of my seat, like, oh my god, is this fucking plane gonna land? Like, it, it, it was... And again, it's just like bigger, louder. Um, Elvis. Elvis is another Jesus. great, yeah, a great example of, of a kaleidoscopic vision that just assaults you from the moment it starts to the moment it ends. It is in your face. I mean, on assault. That's a great it, word. <laughs> you know, that's the, it's Boz Lerman copyright registered mm-hmm. trademark. Yes. yes. It's, it's everything you want from him. Uh, you know, is that good? Is that bad? A lot of people thought it was good. I don't know, but not but, me, but girly. <laughs> no, me, me neither. That's the. Uh, but we'll get to that. We will certainly get to that. But I, I will say, like, yeah, even even the dumbest thing alive, which is Black Adam, which is yeah. a movie that advertised itself as the, you know, the the power of DC Universe is about to change or whatever the balance of power that's what it is the balance of power in the dc universe is about to change and it's like who cares but they need that sort of blockbuster statement to to get asses in seats yeah i mean i i watched ambulance today because i remember people like really talking about ambulance that michael bay at his michael bayist yes like they said what if it was speed but in an ambulance (laughs) i love i love that michael bay has finally discovered the drone and therefore his movies look awful but whatever <laughs> people love it people once and that's another one people love that i'm just like come on guys like I, I i watched it and i was like yeah i get it yes i will say though like jake gyllenhaal not <laughs> my fave performance but i will i'll say this one of his better performances in the last couple of years <gasps> because he's been real bad for a long time um his co-star yaya abdul mateen the second i thought he was very good yeah um, in the movie. Um, but it, again, just like excess, you know, uh, everything everywhere all at once was a big and loud movie. Um, which, but which is funny because that's excess on a budget, which is, which yes. is surprising and, and yes. not getting enough attention for that though. I will say there was this post going around Twitter where it was like, they didn't want to give effects awards to this and they showed a clip and it was literally just editing right. i was like as an editor i'm like offended for the vfx artists that you guys <laughs> think that this is vfx right. because that's just cutting that's just straight right. cuts it's like it's it's uh movie magic from like ye olden days yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely um but uh, just to cap off like the maximalism like i Obviously, Avatar 2 is fucking out right now. Like, yes. is there a more fucking Mexican movie? I asked someone, what's it about? And they said, oh, well, you know the first one? I was like, yeah. They're like, it's the same thing, but in water. And I was like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, great. Cool. Three hours of that. Can't wait. Love. I, I listen. I know there's people who love this, and but I, I just keep thinking to myself, like, why? Like, why? <laughs> why? Like, I just, I wish. I, I think James Cameron is very talented. I don't disagree with that. I wish he could put his time towards something that feels more interesting. Yeah. I guess that's my, that's my take. Sorry yeah. if that offends anybody, but. Um, and my last entry in the maximalism rules is fucking RRR. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I will say that this is completely out of my lane. So obviously, like, Bollywood movies have a certain formula. I suspect that this movie is falls into that um, formula. But also, as, a, um, as someone who does not regularly watch Bollywood films... This movie fucking blew my face off. Yes. Like, and I watched this on Netflix on my fucking laptop, and I thought, if I was in the theater, I would be howling, just like fully like heart racing. It's it's incredible. It 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 and I also thought about like similar to you know, we just did Marilyn Monroe and a lot of those old movies where she's singing and dancing and acting. These motherfuckers in Bollywood. They are these men are not only the hottest human beings I've ever seen, so muscly and so charming, but also are dancing and I'm assuming lip syncing for their lives. <laughs> I does anybody get sent home at the end of the numbers? <laughs> um, but they are just like full on epics. I also I will say are it's um one of the other trends that I saw this year was like it's the it's the knives out effect. Like we're all yeah. eating the rich all the time now, um, and RRR is very much like fuck colonizers, <laughs> right? Which so this and this might get me drawn and quartered for I have not seen RRR, and I have a couple specific reasons. One, um, its original language is not what's present on right on Netflix. Netflix. You, you're getting a dub. You're getting a dub. And so I would like to see it in its original language. And unfortunately, I just haven't been able to uh, get to the theater specifically for this movie because I'm being very cautious about what I'm seeing in the theaters. I'm an immunocompromised person, so I just have to be very selective about what I'm going to go see in the theaters and that this just never lined up for me for when I could go to the theater. Also, there have been many very thoughtful articles written about the politics of the film. And Mm -hmm. I completely am for the non-colonial message, but also there seems to be another message that is much more clear if you're more familiar with India's politics, which is, uh, as I am not, sadly. I will, and, I will say, you know, as I was like, there's a lot of flag waving here that I don't understand. It's clearly yeah. a very patriotic movie. And, I, which, and I've heard that that is an issue for many people in India, but I have, I... Once yeah. again, I don't know enough. And right. and I and it's funny because it's almost like RR breaks my rule, which is I've always said I don't think you should have to go into a movie with prior knowledge of a subject. Mm-hmm. But I think for this one it would really help me if I did. I'm a very studious person. I I would enjoy that, I think. Yeah, I mean like I definitely did some light Googling after the movie. Like I don't fucking know anything about the colonization of fucking india and like this is like right. a specific time period and they're based and, and off also of two real characters the current day politics and that's yeah. that's sort of where the the controversy is is yeah. i will say i was like oh there's a <laughs> white woman that they're like in love with okay and she's the one who helps them because she's nice and white okay but i do want to see animals attacking i do want to see things it, exploding and i want to see people dancing i love all is, those things it is in, i mean it, it 
just on a technical scale, I was like, <laughs> okay, this is capital F filmmaking. Um, yeah, it's on Netflix if uh, you want, um, but it is a dub version. I thought the dub was pretty good, though. It's it's not like they are Indian actors, I think, who are doing the dubbing. So it's all, um, it's not like a fucking white person <laughs> talking yes. over these Indian people, which is good. <laughs> um, but that that's my main headline. And I think, like, I just kept seeing over and over again and and to some like i think in the northman is a good example of it like working really well it's fucking crazy it's crazy seeing nicole kidman um as the mother of what the fuck eric from true blood alexander skarsgård i'm just always call him eric from true blood okay how about that (laughs) even now you believe the fairy tale i told you is true a noble bride hailing from the land of Brittany. Yeah, but like it is so aggressive. There's the scene at the end where literally he is fighting his uncle. They are both wearing loincloths. They are in a volcano. It is fucking rock and roll. Like it is crazy. And they're just like stabbing the shit out of each other. It's amazing. It's amazing. I don't know where you're from, but that sounds like a Thursday night to me. Okay. You ever been half naked <laughs> fighting in a volcano, honey? Always, Louie. Always. Um, and that's... What do you get up to on weeknights? <laughs> I think that's on HBO Max right now to stream. or It's somewhere to stream. I, I was going to say, I think it's actually It's on Peacock? Prime, maybe? Peacock? Maybe? I, think, I, I love that neither of us knows. There's too many. There there's are, too many. I, I will say it now. There's too many. <laughs> I think Dude. it's on Prime now. Actually, I think about it. it I think it's on Prime. <laughs> I, I wrote down, like, you know... The beginning of the year, I thought had a lot of strong, you know, movies that, you know, tip. It, I enjoy now that people are relaxing with the idea that we have to stack all the quote, like awards movies at the end of yes. the year. Um, I thought one of like my favorite movies of the year came out really early. Kimmy, which was the HBO yes. movie. Thank um, God that that's I, that is very high up on my list. I, I really loved Kimmy in all honesty. Um, I was just like, this is how you fucking make a pandemic era thriller. And it's not, it's not about the pandemic. It's just people existing and it's normal and we don't have to talk about it really. It's not about that. Like, um, Soderbergh, just fucking Soderbergh about, you know, (laughs) um, starring Nepo baby herself, Zoe Kravitz, um, (laughs) But yeah, I also like throw a rock. You're not going to you're going to hit a Nepo yeah. baby this year. Um, I, I like, though, that like this movie is not like technology is bad, guys. And this is why it's like no, humans are bad because we misuse the technology that should be helpful and useful to us. We, we talked a lot about our good friend um, Colin Farrell and the year he's had. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, he's been hitting it up. I So much so that when we did our episode, we'd somehow both forgotten After Yang, which was the earliest film really to come out yeah. in the year for him. Yeah. But partially because, and once again, this goes back to the idea that we're deciding that mid-budget films don't need to be seen in the theater, and it yep. got shuttered off to Showtime. Boo, boo. Yeah, I mean, yeah. After Yang is really good. Um, it, I think it came out the same week that the Batman did. L O L. I want to really quickly say, like, shout out to my girl Jenny from the Block. Marry Me came out. Um, I think Marry Me is a music video um, <laughs> that has been transformed into a movie somehow. Uh, 
I wish I liked the songs better. That was my big complaint because I'll be honest, the movie had me when she was teaching that math class to dance. Mm-hmm. I was like, if you don't find this charming, you're dead. Yes, yes. But but I was like, these songs are a little forgettable. We, these are the songs that did not make it on the album. Okay. <laughs> um, but but she also had a good year because she had her documentary halftime <sighs> come out, which opened the Tribeca Film Festival. Yeah. Um, and then also, like, kind of disappointed a bunch of people because they thought they were getting a J-Lo concert and she wasn't there. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She oh, said no. I saw I- that Twitter reaction and I was like, uh, but uh But the, I think, you know, it's a fascinating documentary. It's clearly a, and you're going to see this a lot this year, clearly a signed off by the yes! subjects. But yes! I think, but I think she's really smart in... She gives you enough. She gives you enough. Exactly. She shows you the perfect curation of the person she is, which includes some not great stuff, but nothing that would really damage. Like, it's still the Teflon coating. Well, I mean, I I think, so first of all, I am absolutely biased. I watched that movie twice. Cried, cried, (laughs) cried, cried, cried. It's good. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I'll be honest. Um, Cause she had a fucking crazy two years. Like that was a, a great narrative of everything going on with hustlers and the super bowl and all that shit um but i there are it's a fucking farm now every girl league is going to netflix and being like documentary please i saw the shania twain one on oh no horrible horrible <laughs> i was not aware that that was even a thing um my favorite moment in halftime by the way is the moment where she decides she wants to sing born in the usa and she's talking to shakira on the phone and shakira yeah. finally is like i was not born in the usa <laughs> and jayla's like um okay are you not into <laughs> americans what the fuck's going on <laughs> which that's not even a patriotic song but whatever <laughs> um yeah I, I marry me i think was the um Another kind of like headline, I think, was the attempt to revitalize the rom-com. And I think that there were a lot of rom-coms. I, you know, I, I don't think the rom-com is dead at all. Um, I don't think it is either. When there's a large amount of uh, one thing out at a time, people, especially in a world in which comic book movies sort of dominate everything at the moment, people love to be like, oh, this is the comeback story, right? This, yeah, is, yeah. The, this is the thing that's going to... I think there has been rom-coms... You know, forever. I, you know, I Netflix when it started making original films, like some of the earliest ones are rom coms because they you don't have to spend a lot on them. Yeah. Honestly, you just yeah. have to make sure you have charming leads and uh, decent, decent enough story. jokes. Yeah. yeah, and and it'll work. Um, and I think that yeah, I think this this year specifically had a plethora of yeah, just rom com after rom com, and of course the ones trying to break the mold. We got the gay rom-coms, which, like, honestly, queer cinema has been having gay rom-coms since time in memoriam. Forever. But these were the, these were the bigger budget ones. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I saw I Want You Back on Prime, which was like a delightful little Jenny Slate vehicle. Yeah. Um, I love Jenny Slate so much. I know. She's a fucking star. After Marry Me, we got The Lost City with our girly Sandy. Yeah, uh, a, a beat for beat remake of *Romancing correct. the Stone*. Yes, but can, shh, don't say that out loud, anybody. But with Harry Potter, um, <laughs> I I liked *The Lost City*. You know, completely charming. You know, her and Magic Mike himself have lots of chemistry. I'm glad that she's bagging young men. <laughs> Love that so much. 
I will uh, I will always remember that movie because my friend Kim and I went to see it at the Regal Union Square and we a woman with two like 7-year-old girls sat behind us. No, no, and no. She left at one point for half an hour to go get a drink. And came back, but left the two girls behind. And so the girls were like running around the theater playing hide and seek. And I was like, this is a nightmare. Fucking <laughs> but, kill me. Yeah. Fucking kill me. Um, see, and, and uh, you know, just to kind of like wrap up the beginning of the year. I mean, we can't go on without talking about everything everywhere all at once. Absolutely. Um, that was like, you know, if that's not the story of the year, I don't know what fucking it is. Like, uh, this movie that just fucking defied everything, defied all expectations. And, and my goodness, you know, we've, we did Michelle Yeoh. I mean, we talked about her range. We talked about the things that she is capable of doing. And, like, my God, she finally fucking got the vehicle that, like, showcases all of it. It's astounding. Um, and, and another mini headline I would like to just, like, note... It was the year of like kindness. Um, I think like this movie is a, a lot of things, but I think a lot about kindness for a movie yes. that is that highlights and showcases so much like fighting and action. In the what what saves the day is humanity and kindness, you know. Yeah, and and I think uh, just to add to that, because I think kindness is the right word, but I also think empathy is the right word. Yeah, I think you know uh, we're in a very strange time in which people tend not to or are told not to think about other people mm-hmm. and i think everything everywhere all at once is a really fascinating example too because like i will never have the i like i am i'm white um <laughs> so i will never have that experience of, of this family this specific family and, and generationally how they interact with each other and and what they say and what they don't say we've talked about this before on the show that people who make movies for everyone those movies are bad. Yeah. The yeah. the more you try to engage an audience by making everything as specific as, as possible, it, it just doesn't work. But yeah, exactly. Right. If you make a story specific, if you give people specific things, specific culture, specific, it brings people in and it makes people curious and it makes them yeah. want to know more. And I think everything everywhere all at once did a really great job at that by by creating a very specific story, a very specific world with repercussions in the real world that really make you as an audience think about it deeper. Do I have some, you know, upon further watches, do I have some issues with it? Yeah, there's some jokes that just really go on that I'm just like, come on, end. But but. I still think it's a really fantastic story, a really fantastic movie and 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 could be, you know, one of those great unifying movies that you know yep. most people love i have seen some of the backlash and i'm like okay you're taking yourself too seriously Re- literally relax um <laughs> yeah i the last movie i saw before recording was uh, mrs harris goes to paris which is a, again a movie just about like the how kindness to our fellow man <laughs> um really goes a long way like you can change someone's life literally just by being nice being kind um offering help when you can um a lovely little snack of a movie um with leslie uh, manville um and isabel Huppel. Uh, uh yeah i loved it i saw it on an airplane so of course i cried and <laughs> uh but i mean just what a beautifully uh, filmed 
movie too and and one of those things that you maybe don't think about when you're watching a movie like supple, that so yeah but like really defined cinematography like a very specific style mm-hmm. um if, if i did have one to add to the list about kindness and about i do want to say marcel the shell with shoes on yeah. speaking of jenny slate yeah he's an entire movie about kindness do i think that the last 15 minutes or so kind of fall apart or kind of a little little nothing yeah a little bit but Everything leading up to that is so beautiful, so smart, so heartwarming. And let me tell you, tell there's me, a, Gavin. there is a moment, there is a moment when her grandmother reads a poem. Oh, yeah. Well, too much, I, too much for me. Who's that? Uh, it's Isabella. Uh, Isabella Rossellini. Rossellini. What a fucking voice actress. Yes. Jesus. I've seen a couple of movies where she's but no voice acting now. And she's just so good. That voice, the, the way she emotes through her performance it's just incredible no i just am making a little video portrait about marcel yeah a document a film oh yeah it's like the truth kind of it's a movie and it's the truth about marcel i mean i hope so i guess you could really spin it (laughs) i like marcel the show with shoes on um i'm not as sold on the shtick of it all but i think it is the storytelling itself was just i mean and again this is like a very good like flip of the maximalist thing like these are movies that are like or not all of them because everything ever all once was both of these things but <laughs> marcel Lachelle is but very... that's what made it but that's what made it work yeah. is everything everywhere all at once versus a lot of the other maximalist movies that were kind of eh. yeah yeah um so that i think was like you know let's call that the first quarter of the yes. year um going into summer i think like <sighs> multiverse of madness probably kicked it off um yeah. and uh, uh you know i again i thought it was kind of rock and roll um sam raimi yeah which is famous famously um spooky bitch yes um like he he loves the gags he loves the jumps all those things um and that's why i went to see it you know and once again th- don't crucify me for saying i didn't go see rr but i went to see dr strange in the theater but you know i didn't go see a lot of superhero movies in the theaters in fact i think maybe it was only dr strange and Spider-Man, which came out last, last year, technically, year. Yeah. but I waited literally until March to go see it because <laughs> I knew nobody else would be in the theater. Uh, but the I wanted to see that return. And I will say there's some beautiful Sam Raimi moments. There I, moments. My, my favorite moment in that entire movie is there's a moment where Elizabeth Olsen, evil Scarlet Witch, is possessing Scarlet Witch from another universe. And when it happens, she just looks up into the camera, breaking the fourth wall, which is something you don't see in these these kind of dull Marvel movies where they all sort of blend together yeah. and look the same. And to have that moment of just like broken fourth wall, I was like, <gasps> it, yeah, yeah there great was, touch. I, I thought like the overall story was dumb, but there are these moments that I'm like, oh, good. He found some space to really fucking like kick some balls in um, because it, in those moments it, it really is you know kind of exhilarating um, but of course he is beholden to the Marvel machine and so like in the end it kind of all like has to like be in its bone whatever and um, I thought the characterization of America Chavez was so fucking boring and so <laughs> like such a waste I'm like she is a badass bitch why is she a baby child here crying about yeah. whatever So the person you went to ask for help and told exactly where I am is the person that's trying to kill me. 
On the flip of that, we got Nope. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, Real big summer pleaser. I, that movie, I saw that in theaters with a crowd. It was so fun. Um, That, it, 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 it's, it, I mean, people have talked about, like, you know, he's kind of cribbing on um, Spielberg, but, like, it's so fucking good. Like, Jordan Peele is just, like, in his bag, um, just not afraid to reference or not reference, um, <laughs> having so much fun. Um, I had not been... It's it's so funny because there's the moment in the movie where, like, these aliens are, like, coming out of, like, the stables. And I was like, oh, my God, the spooky part's here. <laughs> And it's literally kids in fucking outfits, yeah. and I was like, Jordan Peele, girl, like I, he, he really is just like, yeah, such a I, mischievous little brat. I loved it. I genuinely I loved it. I think it's maybe his strongest effort as a director. Maybe not. You know, that's the, people. I think kind of found that that the social commentary you actually had to think more about and it wasn't as in your face as say oh no <laughs> i know exactly as as say uh, uh get out but i like that i th- i think you know that that there's a lot of really funny moments in the movie i mean the movie is fucking funny Honey, there's some terrifying can, moments yeah uh, miss kiki palmer yeah talk about a star yeah it's so good i i've had friends who tell me like no not enough of it's explained you don't need it explained you don't need everything handheld for you and if you think about it for maybe more than 10 minutes some of it becomes pretty clear so like i don't don't know know. i don't I, i to me the movie is about like it's a commentary i think i mean it's about a lot of things but for me the most um pressing thing was like we as humans um really like uh like we we try to tame the wild for entertainment yes. we are like you know it's the fucking sea world of it all it's shamu yeah. it's like and and but also on top of that it's they you know the expectation of these black people who are like don't like it's mind your business the movie like literally yes. let's <laughs> let, let them let them be let them live like and that you can talk and that is about humans like if you are because like you you aggravate the bear what, what's gonna happen if we aggravate the bear and the bear can be a bear but it also could be your neighbor it could be whoever and it's like if you just fucking leave me alone and let me live like the chimpanzee will not fucking rip your fucking face off. How about that? Right. Like, I think the idea... I, uh, I think you got it 100%. <laughs> like, Jean Jacket, she's just a girly in the sky. Leave her alone. Right. And literally, this fucking rodeo Steven Yeun's character who's like, we're going to bring the giant monster for LOLs. Right. Like, girl, what do you expect to happen? It's like, Ugh. what do you expect to happen when you bring a fucking wild animal on set? Like, people are about to get fucking hurt. Hello? In a, in a movie full of amazing performances, just another absolutely stunning performance, Stephen Yeun. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and he doesn't even have, you know, that he much? doesn't have half the screen time most of the other people have, and just really, and it's so funny too to think about the fact that that was originally going to be Jesse Plemons, and just wow. the the specificity that Stephen Yeun was able to bring to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, amazing, stunning. Um, I will say after the movie finished in the theater, someone did call out. Is anyone else confused? 
<laughs> and I got that, not to call somebody out, but I got that at the end of the press screening of Tar at New York Film Festival. The person sitting behind me, I'm not going to give away anything about them, but they literally turned to whoever they were sitting with and said, that's it. <laughs> Martin Scorsese is so crazy. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Martin girl. Girl. <laughs> Um, Elvis came out around this time as well. It certainly did. Um, I saw it later. Um, yes, I saw it on a plane. <laughs> I I enjoy what's his face's performance. Um, Austin Butler. Uh, who uh, did you see the actors on actors with him and Janelle Monae where he was like, I spent every day as Elvis. I spent weeks, months. Jesus I didn't talk to my family. Christ. I eat peanut butter, fried peanut butter, jelly sandwiches, bananas, and it's just like, buddy, try try acting. Like, yeah, act. literally. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's wild to me is that like he is a very good performer of Elvis. Like, I thought he was like in the concert settings of Elvis, he was very good. But in every scene where he's just existing as Elvis, the human being, I'm like, yeah. That's. Do you remember all the way back when we did our John Carpenter episode, and I said the reason that the John Carpenter Elvis movie sort of fails for me is because Kurt Russell is always Elvis yeah. and, and always like, Hey, I just wrote this song. And it's like, people would be like, the thing that works about Elvis is he was so charming. And so like, even when he was on, like there was an irresistible quality to him. And when other people do it, it's just like, Whoa, buddy, back off. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you I, doing? <laughs> I think Austin had like one setting yeah. I will say I would love to watch just like the concerts that I'm sure they they filmed. shot full concerts, full I'm, concerts. And I'm sure they're really fun. But my God, um, what's his face? Forrest Gump is <laughs> Tom Hanks. <laughs> talk about a, talk about a bad year. If, if I'm going to say someone who had a bad year, I'd say yeah. Tom Hanks had a not great year. Just, uh, honestly, the, America's dad not not doing great like this year. Yeah, just and Pinocchio, that, Pinocchio, that, and like this was this felt like the year Tom Hanks was like, no, I'm not gonna be Tom Hanks. I'm gonna act, and it's like okay, maybe don't, maybe yeah. actually, maybe actually, we, we like, do. Yeah, we just like Tom Hanks. We, just, <laughs> we like Tom Hanks. Please stop it. Also, in the summer, you know, and we talked about this a little bit, um, but Fire Island came out on um, Hulu. Um, I, yeah, that, I think that's a mini headline. Like, there was a trio of gay rom-coms that came out this year. Um, I, you know, I would put Fire Island bros and spoiler alert also in there. Um, these are kind of like bigger budget, kind of for the mainstream, but also, and I will... At, at whether you like these movies or not, I am just happy that they are all very, very homosexual. Um, yes. They are not pulling punches. They are not explaining the things. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm I a little bit uh, more lukewarm on Fire Island than I think most people were. But mostly it's just because I'm like, Matt Rogers and Joel Kim Booster and all of them, frankly, are just aggressively hot and so it's hard for me to be like yeah. oh no were you guys left out of like no you're not shut the fuck up girls they're and like listen, oh. listen i wish them all continued success i did find some of the acting not joel kim booster i actually thought joel kim booster was actually very good in the movie and, and obviously like margaret cho like fucking queen. love her queen but but I found some of the other acting a little inconsistent from some of the side characters a little loosey goosey and also like 
finding out shortly after finishing it that it was originally intended to be a Quibi series, uh, broken up into 10 minute chunks. I was like, oh, that uh, explains the like, because it is like a series of 10 minute arcs. It's like, bits. Yeah, it's like, here's the rising action, here's the falling action, here's the rising action, here's the falling action, here's the rising action. Like, it doesn't feel, even though it does have the structure of Pride and Prejudice, because it is an update of Pride and Prejudice, which does have the like rising falling action overall this still felt like quick bites if yeah. you will yeah i i enjoy it. i think it's a good summer watch i will yeah. say um it's so funny Every, all my gay friends were like oh my god everyone's gonna be reading in fire island now because this movie literally is like oh, oh my god you read books that's so crazy so hot so sexy um but there's fire island um oh gavin did you see bodies 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 i did i hated it you hated it. <laughs> I hated it. Oh my god, tell me more, baby. Yeah, no, I bodies 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 felt like and and this ugh, I know. I know I'm an old man. I just got too much older. tits. Too much tits. Oh my god. Tits talk tits about, everywhere. Talk Should've about been go- <laughs> Talk about like fucking awful discourse. Like Jesus. Yes. And talk about fucking a nepo baby. That bitch is a nepo baby too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And for people who don't know, essentially a terrible film reviewer called out the film because she was like, oh, it's just a two minute or a two hour commercial for breasts. And one of the actresses in the Aman- film who Amanda Stenberg, I think. Yeah, Amanda Sandberg, who is an actor of color, slid into her DMs, not to to like name and shame public, yeah. just to be like, hey, here's a little joke, like I saw your review, whatever. And this reviewer posted it, posted it, aired that business. And then the internet went after because they were like, listen, this is you are the one doing this. You're right. the one bringing the drama. Also, um, Amanda Sandberg, number one, does not show her tits in this movie. No. Um, I would say, the the I, if you watch this movie and think, oh my god, it's so sexual, and there's yes, are, like what the fuck are you thinking? Like, no, this is not, yeah, that, that's on you, honestly. That's on you, like girl, you're looking. But also, she, I said she's a nipple baby because she was like talking about how she's actually a really good reviewer because she's done all these things, and it's like literally her dad is an editor at the New York Times or something, right? And also, she she's like, oh, my parents are writers, and it's like that's not writing's not inherited, it's right? Not an inherited, it's not blue eyes. Yeah, okay? you, like, your, your dad got you the gig, mama. Relax. Right. But anyway, uh, Gavin, you didn't like this movie. No, I did. I I just, I, in, in my opinion, it, it, like, I, I, when I got to the end of the movie, I was like, okay, yeah, uh, whatever. But also that scene towards the end, and I feel, I truly feel like some people vibed with it. I didn't. That scene to me felt like a bunch of 60-year-olds being like, this is what kids talk about. It's like, literally just like, Podcast, podcast, group chat, Zoom, Zoom, uh, Slack, Slack room, Slack, Google chat. Like, and I was just like, got it, guys. You you all have computers. Like, you didn't respond in the group chat. You hate listen to her podcast. Wait, what? And you made a swear on our lives not to tell anyone. Jordan, is that true? I like your podcast, Alex. What is your podcast about? Hanging out with your smartest and funniest friend. Did you just groan? To me? For me? It's, you know, uh, I think it worked when it is was leaning into that extraness because it's, like, clearly fucking satirical. But, like, the... There were parts of it where I was like, 
Huh. <laughs> My main takeaway was like, I'm really glad if I was at a house with friends and we found a dead body or like one of us found up dead, we would not immediately think one of us did it. Right. <laughs> we would not immediately be like, it's a whodunit. I didn't think there were bad performances in the movie. In fact, I think most of them were really actually very good performances. I just wish there was other words coming out of their mouths. <laughs> Gavin, you just hate um, young people. I just, do hate young people. Just correct. say it's let's say that another movie that i was considering that might be a maximalist but i decided it wasn't it's just an epic um that i really liked as the woman king yes um the woman king again talk about fucking filmmaking okay honey like that is big broad badass like just uh, i when do you see shit like this when you know i i i I know the movie is like mostly fictionalized. You know, there's a lot of shit about them that, you know, that yeah. is not real, which is fine. It's a fucking movie. Um, and like, if you want to learn the real thing, go fucking read about it. That, right. It's out, and it's and out hopefully there. it will spark you into finding out what really happened. But no, yeah, I also think it's a, a truly fantastic movie. Uh, Gina, Pr- uh, Gina Prince Blythewood, who, you know, we've talked about before, Love and Basketball, yes. um, Disappearing Acts, like really talented filmmaker. Also, the thing that really impressed me was doing the research about it afterwards and finding out that this movie was shot on a $50 million budget. Like, this is a gorgeous movie. There gorgeous. was like one, one scene where I was like, maybe a little too much CG, but literally one scene. I, yeah. I was mostly impressed by the fact that it is a very, like when you boil it down to its core, it is a, almost a very basic action movie, mm-hmm. but because it's so smartly written and so smartly directed, it allows itself to breathe. There's so much joy in between these scenes. There's so much dancing. There's so much uh, time where characters actually talk to each other about things that are not necessarily uh, important to the plot or things that are plot adjacent, but still have true meaning to the characters and true emotion. They're relationship building. I mean, yeah, there's not, a single bad performance in here, but I have to say um, the performance by uh, Tuso Mbedu, she's the young girl, Naoi. Um, she's a young girl, LOL, she's 31 years old. She's just... She's 31 years old? She's just <laughs> flawless. Um, shocking. I didn't do enough research, apparently. <laughs> shocking how good she is. And yeah. I, again, like, I never forget me crying in the Viola Davis episode. Like, thank God for Viola. Like, thank yeah. God, you know, she is fucking beating down doors and paving the way for so many brilliant black actresses. Lashana Lynch, another person who had an amazing fucking year. Like, she is so, so good. She said, yeah, bitch, I'll be in your little Doctor Strange movie, but then I'm going (laughs) to go over here. And then P.S., I'm going to be in fucking Matilda. Like, bitch, the range. Um, There are some heartbreaking deaths in this movie. There's astounding action um it is also funny like it is an epic you know i I think i read that like they were trying to go for you know gladiator level shit you know dances with wolves level like braveheart like that's what they were going for and they fucking killed it like it's it's i i really i really like the woman king it's Um, great i hope it gets um whatever love it's coming to it um (laughs) Uh, what else happened? Um, I, I, the glass onion knives out effect. I feel like there's 
a lot of whodunits this year. Yes. Um, a bodies, lot of, bodies, bodies being one of them. Yes. Um, See How They Run, which kind of came and went. Yeah. But I was like, oh, this is... They said mysteries are hot, guys. Let's yeah. do... <laughs> Star-studded mysteries. But I was much less she's, impressed with that movie. Forgot to mention the terrible, terrible, terrible Death on the Nile. Oh, uh, didn't even see it. <laughs> um, it... I mean... Sure, Murder on the Orient Express came out before uh, Knives Out, but I'm sure after Knives Out they said, "We oh, we have an IP for a whodunit. <laughs> Let's go ahead and green light that." Um, Baby, yeah. I would rather drink enough champagne to fill denial. <laughs> denial. Um, <laughs> yes, that was filmed pre-cancellation of Army Hammer. Army Hammer, um, who is in the movie a lot more than the trailer makes you think he is. Um, that yeah, that happened. I I don't know. I guess like I'm glad whodunits are back and in vogue. Um, I am too. That's the thing is I've I've seen people complain about the length of Glass Onion, and while I do commiserate with them, I do think two and a half hours is maybe a bit much. I could live in that universe forever, and yeah. so like I'm fine with watching the hijinks. Well, yeah, I I mean the. I think we, people, studio execs, realize like, oh, the clue would of of it all, like of like having fun, diverse cast of people having hijinks and like laughs and murder and mystery and sexiness. That's all great. Like, of course, who doesn't love that? Um, the difficulty is, of course, writing a good enough mystery. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I think a lot of these fell short of the knives out. Um, standard which is you know now the standard um but uh i'm glad people are trying it's it's you know it's fun <laughs> um oh gavin we have to have to have to talk about don't worry darling uh, yes yeah the controversy the goat throwing the that's the fairy do, sp- do you do you know what i'm talking about the goat throwing Somebody took the spitting video and animated Harry Styles throwing a dead goat onto Chris Pine. It is the funniest thing in the world. I've watched that video 70 billion times at this point. I just, all of Venice, I was glued to the computer. No one has cared about the Venice Film Festival more than they did this year. Yeah. And I will say, you know, did I like the movie? Not really. No, not at all. But I am... One, happy that Olivia Wilde is making movies that make money. I'm happy that she's getting to make more movies. Um, I do think she's right that people would not be, like, shitting all over this or whatever if she was not a woman. Uh, Because I do think she's a talented director. I at least like that she has style. I like that she has a point of view. She's making decisions. Um, I think Harry Styles is the wrong decision. Yes. um, You know. I mean, just... Make him British, like in just general. Make him British. <laughs> just make him British. Uh, I know there's a throwaway thing at the end, like explaining his Britishness, but like just make him British. It's no easier. One cares. No one no cares. No one cares. Uh, <laughs> but I think my favorite thing about the whole "Don't worry, darling" of it all is it. It made me remember. You know, one of my favorite things. One of the things I talk about a lot is is the Twilight Zone. I love the Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. And this is a Twilight Zone plot. But the thing that makes the Twilight Zone so good, and actually Rod Serling, who created the Twilight Zone, felt this himself, is brevity. Is that it's Mm. a half an hour. Because the fourth season of the original Twilight Zone, famously, is an hour long. Hmm. 
And he said, if you stretch Twilight Zone out to an hour, you're going to have 15 minutes in every episode where everybody's like, why am I watching a soap opera? I thought I was watching the Twilight Zone. Right. Don't worry. Don't worry, darling. It's a perfect example of that, where it's a very short. This it could have been a short film. It could have been a short film and it would have worked. Also in the vein of uh, The Lost City, we got Ticket to Paradise. Another return um, from our tried and true rom-com girlies, <laughs> um, George Clooney and um, Julie, Julie Roberts. Roberts. Okay, do I got there. Re- do you not remember the name of America's Sweetheart? No, because I'm America's Sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> no, I-, I thought they were fine. I thought the movie's fine. I'm mostly like just so obsessed with Caitlin Deaver, who uh, also has been having such a good year. Um, if you want more Caitlin Deaver in your life, she has a rom-com called Rosalind that's on Hulu. Yes, so much fun. I had fun. <laughs> so much fun. No, not gonna, not gonna blow you away necessarily. Maybe, yeah. but like, cute. Like, show it to your nieces. Yeah, cute, <laughs> like, fun, and you know, uh, uh, definitely in the clueless vein. Very, uh, I mean, Shakespeare's kind of having a moment, also, like a lot of revisionist. <laughs> it's really Shakespeare's year. I've been saying that for a bit. <laughs> Girl, and Juliet's on Broadway. We're getting all these like different takes on it. I love it. The uh, only thing before you move off of Ticket to Paradise is I, I just watched it on uh, Christmas Eve with my mom, and I was like. I hope this doesn't encourage more white people to think that Bali is the place they need to be. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I like I'm a lawyer, but I don't think I want it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, Bali is just like it needs me. It needs more white people. I will say, girl, that, <laughs> uh, the, the the man she marries, good day. Oh, he was amazing, and he was so good in the movie. And can you imagine being? You know, an actor who's, like, relatively new, relatively young, like, doing these scenes with fucking George Clooney and I Julia know. Roberts. Having to, like, t- t- doing face-to-face with George Clooney and being like, you're going to disappoint your daughter. When she yeah. finds out, it's on fucking you. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Why don't you back off, sir? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. 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 Um, a fun little nothing, if yeah. you will. Very, very that. Um, that's kind of like summer, I guess, you know. Uh, we're in the final quarter n- now. I mean, it's yes. awards season. Uh, you know, uh, I guess you know what, Gavin. Yeah, before we before we fully move in, like I do want to ask, how did you find Bros? Oh, um, I didn't love it. I'll be perfectly honest, and but I also don't. I don't understand the reaction either way. I don't understand yeah. like the the like pre the film coming out and telling everybody it's going to change. It's going to save gay America. Yeah. It's going to save gay America. It's going to make straight people understand it's going to, you know, the bigots are going to be walking hand in hand, waving pride flags at, during the parade because they saw bros. And then the reverse reaction of people being like, Oh my God, worst, worst film. You know, it didn't do much for me, but that's, I don't think that that has much to do with the fact that it was, I just thought it was not, first of all, I didn't think it was particularly well made, I want to say, but also I, I've always had an issue with Billy Eichner. I always just feel like he's screaming at me. I don't cotton to that. And so like, I just, I think I could never buy him as the lead. Yeah. I, I think you basically hit the nail on the head because I, I think if you can tolerate Billy Eichner, you're going to have a good time if you cannot like, and I think, I mean, I was like, yeah, of course, if 
his character in the movie is Billy. Yeah. It's his name's Bobby LOL. <laughs> but like it, it, his whole thing is he's loud. That's the whole po- uh, to me I I I'm uh, I liked it. I I walked away being like yeah, Billy Eichner's fucking annoying and this character is annoying too. But I think this movie is saying like let gays be annoying. <laughs> like, yeah. he, like, and, and hey, listen, there's really great moments in it. I think that I think his best acting in the movie, and also let's not forget he wrote it. So, like, I do think there's some really nice writing in the film too. Occasionally, some of it is a little tired, but the scene towards the middle of the movie where he kind of explains why he is the, the way he is, yeah, beautiful yeah. writing, truly beautiful writing. That, and I was impressed by him. And yeah. that's, a, that's a far walk for me. That gave me a lot of like longtime companion vibes. It gave yeah. me a lot of like these classic gay movies, like love, valor, compassion, like just to like, you know, uh, to be able to say like, and, and that's, and that, and I think that that is the whole point of the movie, right? Like not, t- I walked away being like, you know, I think Billy is annoying, but like, God damn it. I wish I could be as free and as annoying as he is, right. you know, like it's, it's the Jack McFarlane of it all. Like, I wish I could be that just open and free with myself just to like be and exist and not feel scared about like what people are going to perceive of me or whatever. And then I did stick to writing and my gay history books, every single publisher, every single one, told me there wasn't enough of an audience for it. I was always too gay or I was too niche or, you know, I made people uncomfortable. Even my dad, who was so wonderful and supportive, I remember him saying, you know, not everyone wants to hear this gay stuff all the time. But what was I supposed to do? I mean, I'm a writer. I wanted to write about my life, my friends, my world. And I'm telling you, enough people tell you things like that, no matter how confident you are, when you're alone at night, you start to think that maybe they're right. You had this issue with Fire Island. I I also had the issue here where Billy was like, oh, I'm out of shape. Oh, I'm not this muscle guy. And like he takes off his shirt and like literally he's fine. He has a chest. He has a stomach that's pretty flat like yeah i was like oh, i was God. like girl we saw you on difficult people okay we know you got in shape post lion king stop yeah yeah anyway um okay now let's get into the fall um i really my fall started with um banshees of a sharon yeah um which again a different type of rock and roll <laughs> but still rock and roll Absolutely, uh, like like old rock and roll, old like rock old, and roll, old yeah. like ancient like O-L-D-E. demons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I just yeah, don't. Lo- I, I I really liked Banshees of Inisher, and and I have said this. You know, I don't know if I've ever said it on the show, but uh, in the past, like I think Mark McDonough's stuff works the best when it's specifically Irish. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, this is his fourth film. Uh, I really love In Bruges. Uh, I hate Seven Psychopaths. I'm very mixed to low, very low on three billboards. But this felt like... Well, yeah, like... girl, get the fuck back to Ireland. Yeah. Get out of America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, tell these specific stories. And I know I keep, like, saying that, but the, the, this was a very... Irish and made me interested and made me want to and like yeah 
some of the some of the juxtaposition of war versus mm-hmm. personal relationships and like the idea that some people just like fighting forever like mm-hmm. in, like some of it's a little obvious whatever but it works in this specific situation and i think the performances were great uh, uh, carrie condon barry killian like yeah why does no one give um colin a hug at any point <laughs> I know. I, I man I, just needs a hug. He really. I mean, and also like, it's ancient times, girly. There's nothing else to do but hang with your gal pals. Yeah, and it's a small town. <laughs> like, what is he supposed to do? I know. Uh, this movie, uh, if you don't know, is literally just about one day a man wakes up and his best friend just says, "I just don't like you anymore." <laughs> and he's like, "What do you mean? What the fuck?" And he's like, "Yeah," and. And, and and that I mean that's it's so heartbreaking, you know, like the idea that like this friendship is holding me back somehow, and I need to do something purposeful. Um, and again, I would argue that this movie, it, I remember thinking at the time when I watched it, like is also in the um, fits into the year of kindness because Colin's character, he's arguing that like relationships are worthwhile, are meaningful, like you know, being kind and open. That is a good enough legacy. You know, you don't need to fucking write music like how right. Calm wants to. Um, Calm was like, oh, I need to focus on like, he's like an older man and he, I guess, is thinking about death. And yeah, it's legacy. Yeah. And he's, he thinks, you know, friendship is not a good enough legacy. And I think the movie, for me at least, goes out of its way to be like, friendship is worth while and like the legacy of friendship is important and good um yeah what a beautiful movie just like beautiful to look yeah. at beautiful to like live in um, yeah 100 i i really loved it i do want to mention just because in in like a broader big think sort of way um this fall also came out the sight and sound poll which only happens once every decade and the big news was that vertigo had been ousted for the first yeah for the first time in 10 years and it was taken over by jean jean dillman uh which is i i um i will give the full name but i am terrible at french but jean dillman 23 quad de commerce 1080 brussels um right the the seminal classic that yes. everyone knows and loves um but directed by Chantel Ackerman Chantel Ackerman uh, is uh, was I should say uh, a very beautiful filmmaker she is not known for making the most welcoming films necessarily this this film is a very long movie it's kind of challenging not a lot happens towards the beginning and she even herself you know said that this is an avant-garde film it's not made to be pleasant um she did unfortunately kill herself um a couple years ago nonetheless um and also she was a lesbian so like we you know we a queer filmmaker and yeah, it's cool to like see something like this top this list by respected critics. Now it did get some backlash online because people are like, "This how is this better than Hitchcock and whatnot?" And it's like, "Hey, listen, the thing about being consent like having a consensus about art 
is stupid at anyway. Stupid. Okay? The, the reason the we, show people, is the mixed reviews, girls. The, exactly. The 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 reason people make lists like this is to expose other people to things. I right. believe personally, right. and so. If it's literally the same top 10, if we've decided there are only 10 good films for the rest of our lives, that's dumb. That's what's the point? Yeah, what's the point? And so there was a huge rush for people to see Jean Dielman. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. As it should be. Like, the you know, the, these movies should get a wider range and, and should, um, you know, have a life outside of just critics seeing them. Uh, and also, I think that brings me to one of the things that I want to talk about, which is that there is this perceived widening, and there has been for years, between critical reaction and audience reaction. And, you know, part of that is people really focus on box office. People, you know, like Avatar 2, you know, a lot of critics truly loved it. But people mm-hmm. want to believe that critics didn't like it because it's a moneymaker. Right. And... I think this perceived widening between audiences is actually not real. Hmm. I think it's one of those things that people want to talk about because it, it's like an interesting topic to to wax it's, poetic. It's but, the elite versus the working man. Like we're so yes. out of touch. All those things. I but mean, I I don't think it's true. And I think if no. anything, if anything, this year has really held out that belief. Top Gun, one of the highest grossing films of the year. Critics loved. Yes. They absolutely loved it. Yes. And so it's it's kind of bonkers to me that people are like, oh, critics, so out of touch because they don't like the things that I like. And it's like, well, yeah, that's because there shouldn't be consensus on art. And that's, right. that's just the case. You know? Right. Most critics are just like normal human beings who work their normal day jobs and are not fucking, you know, like the, the critic for the New Yorker. <laughs> is not the critic for your like local paper or right. you know or critics even at the Daily Beast where I work like our young queer people you know like it's <laughs> there is no man in the shadows who like <laughs> somehow has amazing taste um, right. this is not fucking ratatouille like it's they're... my favorite is the people who believe critics are paid and it's like trust me I know enough critics to know that they are not even paid enough by the people who employ them. Sweetie, <laughs> please. Uh, no, ma'am. They are lucky that they can get reimbursed to go to Toronto for the film festival. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and that's a good point, though. And I think, you know, if I, I'm hopeful, though, that, you know, I think there's a lot more transparent. I mean, we, Rolling Stone just came out that fucking list of the greatest singers or whatever. Oh, and my God. Yeah. I know. And it's like, y- yes, because... These are just dumb, dumb humans like you and me. Like there's no, there's no bastion of taste. There's no, like, you know, it, it, we, the, the, if anything, that, um, space between critics and audiences like is closing. Yes. Like, hello, you and me have a podcast. Who the fuck are we? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I say that every day in the mirror. Who the fuck am I? Who who are you? Who do you think you are? No, I, I just think it's such an interesting subject to, to bring up because I do think it was a big splash in a year about films, but ultimately, you know, it's, it's not as big of a story as everybody made it out to be because everybody, everybody, nobody wants their personal taste insulted. And I get that. Yeah. But like, let other things shine, you know, like, I mean, Vertigo is fine. It's number two. Like, yeah. People are still going to watch Vertigo. The legacy of Vertigo is untouched. Fine. <laughs> um, I did see My Policeman, the other Harry Styles movie. Oh, um, did you? I did not see that. I just don't know how anybody could make gay sex look so unsexy. <laughs> Which is funny because didn't he say something 
like months before it came out about how they were like it was going to be like we really put our all into the gay sex and it was like boo, boo, boo. <laughs> um yeah a very boring movie i thought and very uh like I've, se- I've seen it all before you know like oh the policeman's closeted okay whatever yeah shocking say something else say something <laughs> new um did you watch causeway I didn't get a chance to. I really did want to, though. And and, and nothing against Jennifer Lawrence. You know, I love a good J-Law performance. And by the way, speaking of uh, controversy, the, this last portion of the year, we also got our actors on actors, directors on directors. And there's a beautiful, beautiful uh, Viola Davis and Jennifer Lawrence. And I, I genuinely loved it. I thought it was such a deep conversation. And the thing people took away is that Jennifer Lawrence made reference to the fact that when she made The Hunger Games, there weren't a lot of female-led action movies making money. And that's exactly the implication that she was making. And everybody was like, well, well actually, yeah, <laughs> we, women action, like, what about Terminator or whatnot? And it's like, yeah, there shouldn't be a female-led action movie every 10 years. Right. And that's what she's talking about. Right. Like, you can't just get the one and be like, equality achieved. That's yeah. not like... And she didn't say she was the first ever. No. She, no, she said absolutely did not. The experience was studios believe that women-led action movies were not money makers. Yes. And Hunger Games changed that. And guess what? That fucking happens all the fucking time. When Alien came out, they were like, oh, women in sci-fi, okay. And guess what? Nothing fucking happened, okay? Right. This keeps happening. Crazy Rich Asians came out and everyone's like, oh, Asians in movies. Where's my next fucking Asian movie? I remember when I was doing Hunger Games, nobody had ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie because it wouldn't work. We were told girls and boys can both identify with a male lead, but boys cannot identify with a female lead. Oh, absolutely. And it just makes me so happy every single time I see a movie come out that just blows through every single one of those beliefs and proves that it is just a lie. Literally relax, everyone. Um, I saw Causeway. Uh, I I like uh, Jennifer Lawrence's performance a lot. She plays a lesbian. It's a very quaint movie. Um, didn't give me the emotional feels that I thought I was going to have. Um, but I am very glad that she is clearly taking her time and choosing projects that she is passionate about. Because, my God, the the ocean between this and X-Men franchise. Ugh. Yeah. When she, when this bitch wants to act, she will fucking act, okay? It will kind of forever. Uh, you know, that... Uh, finally seeing that on the big screen um, was all sorts of catharsis. You know, after um, the death of Chadwick Boseman, and, you know, we've literally lived through the Black Lives Matter you know, movements and all the things that, I mean, it's just like the way that so much culture has happened and, and changed. Um, honey, Ryan Coogler said, what about Mexicans? Yeah. Let's bring, let's bring them into this. And, and like indigenous Mexicans. Nonetheless yes. Too. Yes. So like, uh, yeah, I, I know there's some people who have had issue with the movie and I do think it's perhaps a little long and maybe a little cluttered, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. And so this is the one I was talking about where I think there's only been one really worthwhile comic book movie this year. And I think it was this. I think it was Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, Great performances all around. Like Mm -hmm. genuine, like Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett. Oh my God. Truly a queen. Like, and yeah, I, I was really entertained by it. And once again, 
specificity. Spec- mm-hmm. Like, th- I could have maybe done without the iron heart of it all, but yeah, I get that, that that was the that was a little too much stuffing, right? Yeah, that felt like a decree from on high. <laughs> yeah, we do need to give her a show later, so we will be having her in this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Wakanda Forever. Um, we're really getting to the end. Uh, you know, I, I saw, let's see, this last quarter, um, I thought, thank God for Guillermo del Toro because, honey, that Pinocchio, whoo, slapped, slayed, um, you know. So good. So and hey, good. listen, everybody, Pinocchio existed before the Disney cartoon. Think about that. <laughs> That's the, I just think it's so funny that I've, I've definitely read my fair share of reviews that are like, well, this is certainly not the Disney version. And it's like, yeah, neither was the book Pinocchio. Right. And that's, uh, and I think that adaptation of this by, by moving it more towards, you know, the, the regime of uh, Mussolini and, and bringing in war and, and really like bringing in deeper issues about life and death and what it truly means to be alive and what it, what it means to like, let go of somebody who has passed yeah you know that's maybe you shouldn't expect everybody to live up to your golden expectation my main thing that i was just like god the idea of how we indoctrinate children into war and who are too naive and too pure like these are their children they are they don't know better for anything and the way that adults fail them over and over again the, the scene where pinocchio is like war i love war like i want to win war He's like, what's war? Like, you know, and, and, yeah. and he's, I mean, that, that happens over and over again. He's literally singing in praise of Mussolini because he doesn't know who that is. You know, they're using him as propaganda. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just so fucking smart. Only he could like really take this story we all think we know and take it to like a whole new fucking level. It's it's so good. And there's so many um, people in it that we've covered before between Ewan McGregor and Kate Blanchett. And like, also it's a film in Kate which Blanchett we get, as a, about a monk as a monkey, a monkey, a monkey. and <laughs> Kate Blanchett as, uh, I mean, not only Kate Blanchett, but also Tilda Swinton who we've not covered before, but I just, I need more Kate Tilda movies. And yeah. like, if this is how I got to get them, I will take them. But like, yeah, uh, I will say, so I will say I'm light on this um, quarter. There's a lot of movies I still want to see. I didn't get around to the Fablemans. I didn't get around to Tar. The Jeremy Pope movie, The Inspection. I really want to see Gabrielle Union in like what yes. I'm hearing is just like an incredible performance. I was uh, so bummed. That was one of the last things shown at New York Film Festival. And I didn't get a chance to see it because I was literally getting on a plane to Spain. Uh, but I did get to take some really amazing shots of Gabrielle Union on the uh, red carpet. Queen. Yeah, she, luminous. Doesn't Lu- age. Yeah. Yeah. Luminous. Um, the last movies I saw were RRR. Um, I saw Glass Onion, I saw Triangle of Sadness, and I saw Lady Chatterley's Lover. Um, oh, I didn't I didn't get a chance to check out Lady Chatterley's Lover. If I'm you want sorry. a fucking hot movie, that movie is <laughs> so hot. Oh my god. I was um, like, yeah. I am titillated in all the right ways. Triangle Sadness didn't do it for me at all. I was no. I, I was just like, this is lame. Um no? it, it was yeah, it was literally like somebody had told the Fairley brothers about class inequality, but also that absolute power corrupts absolutely in the same day, and then they wrote the script. Um, wow, I, that, that is a mixed review. Yeah, that is, it is not my fave. Um, but, yeah, I but I do think 
it's been a really strong season. I did see the Fablements. I was also mixed on that. Um, I want to see it just because last year West Side Story was my favorite movie, and yes. so I want to see what Spielberg is up to. And and same cinematographer. I had a, actually some issues with the cinematography in this. It'll be curious to to see what you think about it. I just remembered. I want to see After Sun. I've been hearing a lot yeah. of good things about After Sun. I saw After Sun. Yep. Um, did you see Tar? I did, of course. I saw Tar at New York Film Festival. I really liked it. I think. Um, please don't come after me, Mirtana. I don't think the ending quite sticks, uh, but I won't say too much more about that. But I, I really do like it. I think it's this kind of, first of all, it's very funny. And I was one of the only people laughing at the press screening. Um, <laughs> They're like, who the fuck is that? And you're like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's Martin like, Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, ah! <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, I also think like there's almost like horror movie elements at it. Not, not like, you know, like visceral gross but like scary tense and and i think there's a lot of like really interesting commentary about gender and what's funny is and i would be interested to honestly i'd be interested to hear what shells has to say about this or any you know lesbian woman because a lot of uh i'm in the queer marching band and um a lot of our leadership are lesbian women obviously (laughs) um and this one woman she was like are we never going to get a movie about a strong lesbian woman who's not a fucking villain? Yeah. And she was, I mean, she was popping off about it. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, it might be a generational thing, you know? I, I mean, I, it truly is. And, and I do feel for that woman, but I will also say like, I, you know, I, I love that she's a lesbian in this film, but I hate to say it. It's literally almost ancillary. Like, mm. and, and it feels very much like, not written by a queer person in terms of her lesbianness and whatnot. And, but I think it's about structures of power and whatnot. And, and maybe the idea that she is a lesbian is one of the only things that like let her into that boys club structure of power. Uh, But I mean, that's maybe a bigger conversation than we're prepared to have right now. Right. Since you haven't seen the film. I really dug it. And obviously Kate Blanchett is like, performing the house down boots like just is she is she taking it yeah she i mean it's gonna be a it's gonna be a tough fight for anybody else who wants it i mean I, it's between her and michelle yo right like that's yeah basically and and like obviously like i want my girly michelle to, to win i know i know but like it makes me very nervous because yeah. that that old white academy really wants to give it to Kate blanchett i feel like yeah, I mean, how, I mean, it's just so easy to give Kate Blanchett awards. Um, which also reminds me, though, I want to see Till as well. Um, I yeah, hear Till. Perf- I saw Till. The, I hear the performance by um, oh, what's her name, Danielle Dudweiler. Dudweiler. Yes, I hear it's incredible. It is incredible. She's very, very good. <laughs> yeah, she's. Ugh. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Um, I wish that movie looked less polished. I know that's an mm. odd thing to say, but I feel like it needed a little more grit to it. It kind of okay. looked. It was, Sasson. Yeah, it was so it was so like wax museum-y, mm. which kind of bothered me because it's such a powerful story and it's a story that clearly needs to be told and whatnot. Right. And that was maybe the flaw in it for me. But shall we talk maybe about like things we didn't like? What do you want to do, Gavin? I think maybe it is time that we move into our picks of the year. Because I think okay. we've really covered the year in terms of film. So why don't we start with our one star reviews and just get it out of the way? 
I will say I didn't see a lot of movies that I didn't like this year. I, I uh, I'm blessed to have immaculate taste. <laughs> you just um, have the best taste, and everyone agrees with you too. So that's the it's a curse. But um, my worst movie of the year, my one star review is Death on the Nile. We have the Karnak all to ourselves until Abu Simbel. Don't worry about your things, darling Louise. We'll go back and pack up all your rooms for you and meet us at Jalan. Happy to miss Thank you. We have a piano tuned, a chef stolen from Shepherds of Cairo, and enough champagne to fill the Nile. I just can't imagine being like, okay, we want like a hot, sexy cast of diverse people to do a whodunit and picking like this cast <laughs> and somehow i mean like there are some people in there who i like um can i name them no um <laughs> but like it's so forgettable and on top of that i want to say like two minutes into the movie i was like oh i get it i know it. yeah and i was right um, you know, this is not You're like, you're not getting me, Miss Christie. Yeah. Not no. this time. The movie was cursed, I think. Like the the cast was just full of like everyone who was getting cancelled at the time. Obviously Army Hammer who like wants to eat people, which is not great. Russell Brand, who is mm, Russell Brand. Oh no. Yeah. Is this two thousand eight? Like <laughs> I thought the moment had passed. Um you know the the one person uh, you know that I really like Annette Bening's in here. I like her a lot. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. She did good. Um, what's the 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 Black Panther girly? I Letitia Wright. Letitia Wright. I don't have a problem with her per se. I think she's a good actress. Um, she's clearly young and learning this world of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but and and then you know our 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 Wonder Woman herself, Gal Gadot, um, who just wants to sing Imagine and you know be the hot new gal on the Hollywood scene. Um, the movie is just for for wanting to be like this big, grand, epic, beautiful thing. It's just so boring. It it loves itself a lot. It thinks it's doing something. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. Once upon a time, I thought was a good actor and director, and I don't know what happened. His Did ego. He... That's literally it. It's all ego. Wow, Gavin, speak on that. <laughs> no, I mean that. That's genuinely like I. It's you know we talked about Jack Ryan when we both when we did Chris Pine and Kira Knightley, and and I think both times I said you know Jack Ryan would be a better movie had Kenneth Branagh not decided he needed to play the villain because it's not a Jack Ryan movie. It's a movie about that villain. Right. And, and so, like, that's, I think he's just in these latter years has decided, I'm amazing, and yeah. everyone will know it. Yeah, that's a really good point, because he really goes out of his way to, like, suck his own dick yeah. <laughs> in a lot of these movies. Um, you mean literally. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> With that mustache? Wow. It's so unambitious. So unambitious. It's like. That's a beautiful way to describe it. And so, yeah, that's my one-star review. It's what a nothing burger of a movie. And it's almost as if they were like, hmm, the template for Knives Out. But how do we make it bad? Yeah. And they did it. (laughs) I mean, it is based off of source material, but it's still like, yeah. I didn't, I literally had to Google while you were talking 
Because I was like, there's no way that came out this year. I yep. was like, Louis, Louis's got to be on one. February. Yeah. Not even January. February. February. Yeah. And it was Oof. a big, it was a big splash. Like people were like trying to really hype it up. I mean, but then I remember the New York Post wrote like, is this the most cursed movie ever? Because it was Army. Gal was in some shit. The uh, pandemic. The pandemic. Um, uh, Let's see. Was, was in shit. Like everything was falling apart about this fucking movie. And um, yeah, I, I, I do worry about the future of Gal's um, career. I, without I, Wonder Woman, without Wonder, I'm I'm sorry to say, like I I I don't have anything against her personally. I know people find her problematic for other things that I do not know about, um, and that's fine. But without Wonder Woman, I just don't know yeah. where she's gonna go. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to choose this as my one star review, even though it does rank at the bottom of my list for the year um falling for christmas is one of the worst oh things i saw this God. year uh, but, but that has caused enough controversy let it for go me. elsa so i will say um in sort of a tie and once again we don't do this to shit on things like that's not but the structure of our show is that we do have to pick a bad and we do have to pick a good so we're gonna pick a bad and we're gonna tell you what we think and also i will honestly never go after like a really low budget film because what's the point yeah what's the point um, but I think the two worst films I saw this year, um, both in the kind of horror genre, are uh, Rob Zombie's version of The Monsters. You hated that movie. I you hated, hated it. it. And I know some people who truly are like, oh, you got to vibe with it. Oh, you got to understand that he loves doing this stuff for his wife. And it, I'm like, I need a movie that has actual acting. I need <laughs> people to be able to act for the movie to be. That's and so movie, weird, Gavin. That's so weird. And that's the thing is people love to look back at the monsters and be like, oh, it's so cheap. Oh, it's so, you know, this, it's campy and, and whatnot. Here's the thing. The thing that sets it apart from being willfully bad is that those actors who were in that show believed they were doing something good. Mm. They maybe, maybe they would have shit talked it off set, but they like gave performances. And this movie was not that. The writing was base. The acting was base the sets were base and i was just like what is what is the point of this this is like this you know it went to netflix but this feels like an hbo max tax write-off yeah like, like we just we need to keep we need to keep the rights but the thing is, is universal was never going to lose the rights to the monsters they've always had them so like it's just a big waste of time and i someday somebody will explain to me sherry moon zombie so somebody will explain it to me. Today I, is not that day. Today is not the day. I assume you are the Herman Munster character I've been hearing so much about lately. Yeah, I think I'm the only one. When they made me, they broke the mold. With you in it, I presume. No, I think I was out by that point. But I, I do want to give that a close tie to they, them. I heard that was very bad. A movie yeah. for a uh, uh, oh, great title. <laughs> so uh, good, right? So good. I, I completely agree. Uh, they Them is a slasher set at a gay conversion camp. Um, it has our boy Kevin Bacon in it, yes. who we, we did on a previous episode. And yeah, it first of all, like, tips its hand way too soon. Like, everything is very obvious from the jump. Um it doesn't really seem to understand like th- this. I mean, 
is for as much as I'm like, oh, I didn't like bodies, bodies, bodies. I think there's stuff there. This is the worst version of bodies, 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 because this is like truly have no idea what <laughs> teens sound like, what what you know the gender discussion is, what the sexuality discussion is. Like finger fully off of the pulp. <laughs> I mean, there's literally a scene. Honey, um, I can't find it. Yeah, <laughs> where, she's dead, baby. She's dead. She's, she's dead. Uh, there's literally a scene where, because they're all deprived of any sort of social media, music, movies, where they sing a pink song. They all like sing a pink song, and it becomes this big sort of like musical number for them to like get out their frustration. And I was just like, baby, what pink song was it? Is it Razor uh, Glass? But. I was just like, what the fuck is this episode of Glee that's happening in the middle of this movie? I I just, I I couldn't. It was so bad. The song is fucking perfect. Gross. Yes, because you're perfect. Wow, 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 Um, wow, wow, wow. Yeah, I... Wow, the the number one, if you type in they, them, pink, the number one result is a story from the Daily Beast saying they, them has the worst movie scene of the year. <laughs> yes. And and the Daily Beast is 100% correct. Yeah, it is. It's tough to get through. It's not exciting. It's not interesting. It doesn't like the worst thing is, is like for all of the talk that everybody had about, is bros going to change the game or is fire Island going to change the game? This was literally a step backwards for the queer community. And it sucks because it was written and directed by a queer man himself. So like John Logan, come girl, on girl, girl, figure it out. Um, okay. I, yeah, that's, I think that's a, enough, um, uh, being negative, but I do want to get to before we move out of this, into our yearly Beautiful Gowns Award. The Beautiful Gowns Award. I love this award. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Yes, it's one of my absolute favorites. I love doing it. And like, listen, it changed throughout the year. There was a couple things that I was just like, okay, interesting, interesting. Getting the data together, really. But I I really, like, in the last couple of months, settled on one and was just okay. like, mm, this is it. Okay. Um, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay, uh, Gavin, my please. Be- what is your beautiful gown award? My beautiful gown award goes to Elvis. <laughs> Gavin, that's my beautiful gown award. <laughs> wow, we are really wow, in sync on the beautiful wow, gown award. Wow. Yeah, this movie, I've I've seen so many people that are like, wow, it really revitalizes the musical biopic. Girl, where? Here's the thing. It really follows the same structure as all musical biopic. Like, literally, like, this is Walk the Line. This is Ray. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I said. It, like, it reminded me, because it's so extreme and so in your face, it was like the movie Walk Hard, the parody yeah. of yeah. musical biopics, but on Coke. Yeah. It was like, and I was just like, wh- like, why is it like that? Like, the, the rubbery prosthetic on Tom Hanks, the, like... You know, the the fact that the Doja Cat of it all. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say the fact that anytime that Elvis goes to a black neighborhood, they play fucking Doja Cat. I was like, yeah, Yeah. this is this is dumb, guys. This is and uh, listen, I think there's Boz clearly has 
so much talent in him. And once again, we cannot understate what as a, a true ally, a straight man has done for the queer community. Like he has made so many people gay. Yes. Just like he is recruited. Mm-hmm. If people, people worry about the gay agenda, it's Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann has yeah. charmed so many with just Romeo and Juliet and with just Moulin Rouge alone. Moulin Rouge. Exactly. Like he's given so much to us, <laughs> <sighs> but I need him to like, knock it off with this like this is not you know even even great gatsby i i liked great Gatsby. i think it's a a fun adaptation of of a what could be a very stuffy novel but this was not it babes i think this gets the beautiful gowns award because it is a psychedelic fucking wonderland but i was like i want my main issue with the movie is i walked away not knowing anything about elvis at all i didn't learn anything about this man at all i there's clearly so much there about his relationship with his mother there's clearly so much there about you know going to fucking war like he comes back and he's the same person nothing has changed to this man yeah nothing at all and um there's just so little interrogation about who this person is. Like, I was like, yeah, we know that he stole this music from black people. We know that we know that he went, did the thing. Like we, we know that he like had this slump. We know that like the Vegas thing happened. We we know all these things. Like I, I was really hopeful that I was like, Oh, and especially because they cast Austin Butler, who is a young man that we're going to like figure out, and learn some things about him. And so, but this movie is just window dressing. It's just yeah. cosplay. And it, and it's, and a majority of it is beautiful. Like there are a lot of beautiful things, Tom Hanks withstanding. Um, but, you know, uh, that's what Beautiful Gowns is all about. It's all, absolutely, all, uh, no substance, just all spectacle. Yeah. And, and this movie was the epitome of that for this year. So, Beautiful Gowns Award. This is the first time this has happened. A double, first time. Double award um, for Beautiful Gowns <laughs> um, to Elvis. We did not talk about this. We did not plan this. Great gowns. Beautiful gowns. Last year, I believe I named my Beautiful Gowns Award to Wonder Woman 2. Yes, and I actually gave mine to the Aretha Franklin biopic. Which yes. Was, yeah. Wow, you you were really saying something about biopics. You, you yeah, said. I, re- I really I mean, I just need them to be something. Like, if you're going to do it. Do, do it. it like yeah Ugh. Ugh. anyways let's get out of our negative zone yes. let's get into our positive zone and talk about our five star reviews I think my top three movies and girls the, the reviews are mixed Pinocchio blew me away Great. Sorry, sorry, girly. I really enjoy Triangle Sadness. That's I, fine. I thought the richness and like the disgustingness of how <laughs> rich it is is supremely funny. Um, I also thought the ending was just like, I mean, th- that actress, um, Dolly DeLeon um, as Abigail. <laughs> just um, amazing. And once again, and here's the here's the real heartbreaker for anybody who thinks that like, once something is bad, it can't be good. I think that's one of my favorite performances of the year in a movie I didn't like. Yeah. It, yeah it, she's it, amazing. She's amazing. That movie is just like, it's a three act twists and turns, um, just dismantling, very eating the rich type style movie. Um, devastatingly funny. I thought I just laughed and laughed and laughed until you fucking don't because um, it's aggressive. 
Um, but my number one movie is just, I'm basic. And I don't care. It's everything everywhere all at once. Um, I just haven't been t- seen it, had, had a, a, a theater going experience like that in a, in a very long time. Um, maybe ever. Um, I am not um, Asian. I am not an immigrant, but I'm a child of immigrants um, or, or grandchild of immigrants. I'm second generation Mexican. Um, and just my goodness to be able to like devastate you and also have the amount of dick jokes all wrapped up in one situation is just great. Stephanie Shu giving the breakthrough performance of the year. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and again, like I, everyone I ask, I said, think about if if that if that lead character was not Michelle Yeoh, who would it have been? Who would it have been? Yeah, no which one. Is, which is like also a really sad condemnation of like yes, our our acting pool and the way that as, right. as Americans we treat you know right. actresses and, and, of color right. And there are other martial artist um, stars in the vein of Michelle Yeoh, but I think I do think she has a very specific, special, wonderful quality. To be the mother, to be the soft and the hard. Yeah. She's fluid. She's rigid. She's all the things. Um, the return of Kihui Kwan as yeah. as Waymond. Waymond, who is the beating heart of the film. The only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please be kind. Especially when we don't know what's going on. Jenny Slate and her stupid dog, like I know. <laughs> so good. I love the dog joke. I know she's another person who's having a really great year. Yeah. Between, between you know, the 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 rom com you mentioned this, Marcel yes. the Shell, like yeah. yeah, another great year. I I just you know Jamie Lee Curtis who we talked about earlier, um, or, or we have talked about um before on, on the podcast. I just think this movie, like you said, has the ability to do so much. Yeah, um, and I I think it's really fucking sad when I see people online being like, "That's all you guys are talking about? It's so lame." Like, yeah, oh, I saw but- somebody complain about the like the everything bagel line and the and it's like I don't know. Like I thought it was funny. Like I don't know. I'm sorry it didn't live up to your highfalutin right expectations. But like the thing is, like we are such a cynical in a place right now. Like we are so cynical. Everything has to be ironic. Everything has to be like not serious. Or you know, or yeah. you can't be. That's the whole point of this, though. It's like just if if we get, spend some time with each other, give people what they want. You know, listen, be kind. Like I just. The, the movie, I've seen it twice now, um, and both times it's just like devastating and and funny. Bitch, that entire rock scene, yeah, yeah. Lo- I mean, people people will be talking about this line forever. Like you know, to be doing taxes and doing laundry with you sounds like a wonderful life. Like that that feeling, that idea when they're in the like hot, sexy universe. Like, yeah, it's. I think that, that that is there's a reason why this movie came out a billion years ago and is still being talked to, to, by today. It made over a hundred million dollars on a 
fucking 14 million budget. It looks good. It looks expensive. All the performances are great. Like they and you could t- there you could even tell I was like, "Oh my god, they're using the six fucking people they have to be all these action characters who are fighting and they are working their ass off." And it's just it's just great. I I I will not stand for anyone being like, it's so overrated. Like, okay, like fucking have fun for once in your life and like open yeah. your heart. How about opening your fucking heart for once in your life? Yeah, I don't think that's a basic choice at all. I, I love that movie. You know, it's it's not as high up on my list as it was when it came out, but I, it's ve- it's very it's still in the top ten and it's it deserves its place there. I, I love it. Um, all right, Gavin. I got, I got it for Christmas. It's back. Oh my there, god! Actually. Congrats. Um, okay, so what are your uh, top three movies? Okay, real quick. Nope. We I think we already talked about that extensively. That's my number three. Um, number two, uh, David Cronenberg's Crimes of the Future. Yes, uh, it was a return to form. Daddy's Home. Uh-oh. It was, uh, you know, and truly, maybe uh, the secret to David Cronenberg is uh, he needs to write his own stuff because I really thought this was one of his best films in years. I heard it's sexy. It is sexy. It's a little gross, but not terribly gross. And I sexy think spooky. Would, yeah, I think people are scared of it being like, ooh, too gross. Not, not so. But my number one is sort of an unconventional choice, though it is a movie that's in wide release. And if you do have an opportunity to see it, I would love for to hear people's reaction to it. Um, it's a the new Laura Poitras documentary, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Now, uh, this is a film about Nan Golden, the artist. Uh, She's a visual artist. She takes pictures. Um, Her entire career has been essentially slideshows. She's been working since the the 70s uh, doing these little pop-ups. She's been a a, a queer activist. She's been with women. She's been with men. Um, Over the years, she, you know, she's a icon of all these things. One of the big things she did in the 80s was she did this big gallery, this AIDS benefit gallery and it was so controversial at the time that the arts funding was actually pulled for it um, which is awful but this is once again this is how people with AIDS were treated in the yeah, 80s the, yeah. um, and a couple of years ago uh, she almost overdosed twice on opioids. She became addicted to opioids and she's become an advocate for harm reduction, uh, you know, uh, really helping, uh, you know, not stigmatizing those with drug addiction, really, you know, trying to end the opioid crisis by doing these big actions such as like going to the Guggenheim and flooding it with prescription notepads about the Sacklers, the people who, you know, basically um, created the opioid crisis right. through Purdue Pharma. Yeah, through the creation of OxyContin. We had a signal thread, but it was really like, go at this time. If you see prescriptions falling, it's starting. Are we ready? Yeah. And it's a really fantastic story. It it really weaves in and out about like I said, about stigma and how we treat each other. I mean, if there is a better movie to talk about the thing that you're talking about, about kindness, about how we relate to each other as people, how we don't think of each other, you know, cops think of drug addicts as people that can just die. Yeah. That, you know, that that's their problem and they should just die. And that's, you know, and we as a society, like need to find a way to get to a place where we're like, no, like, 
other people have problems and like we might not have the same problems but we have to understand them we yeah. have to understand that they're they are also a person i f- i feel like i was talking about this in the Marilyn monroe episode where like you just you know you you can't think of people not as people and i think this movie is a beautiful beautiful example of that because it just traces her life and it's really brilliant and it goes in and out about you know there's the stigma of at one point she di- she dated a man who beat the shit out of her and literally she was saved by a friend and so she took pictures of the of the black eyes and the broken nose and she worked during that time and she God. just was like i i'm on display because this happens to women and women don't talk about it and women don't talk about this abuse and it all goes back to her childhood it's all brilliantly structured it's beautiful I was not prepared for this movie. I really didn't know much going in other than it was about Nan Golden, who I'm a fan of. I wept for 80% of this movie. Really? Wow. Yeah. It's it's really fantastic. It played New York Film Festival. So I got to actually see Nan Golden and Laura Poitras live talk about it. And it's just beautiful, beautiful work. And also, I think it it's a message that people need. But also as a film, it's just a really great movie, and it and once again we as uh, the American at least the American society don't see enough documentaries or like good documentaries. Like, yeah, I'm s- sorry, we're watching so, Shania Twain on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's more important stuff out there, and and this is one of them. And. Uh, truly yeah the most emotional film i saw this year the most well put together film as an editor like i could not believe some of the edits that they that were in this movie just really fantastic structure wise and yeah Yeah. beautiful beautiful work opioid stuff really gets me i guarantee i will cry just as much as you did oh it's yeah it's heartbreaking it's truly heartbreaking i I love this movie it's in theaters right now i see that it's at lincoln center ifc center Yes, yeah, and and it should be in other cities. I know that's like sounds like oh, you people in New York, you get to see your movies, but well, like I, the dis- Neon's a distributor, so hopefully, right. like if it picks up some steam with um, you know awards season, it'll get a bigger release, or at minimum, she will come to streaming soon enough for us. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a really great year for documentaries, by the way. And just throwing out some love to Fire of Love, which is a documentary about these two volcanologists who died, and or Moon Age Daydream, the David Bowie documentary, which is really fantastic. Um, which I know some people are like, uh, that that's another like very much signed off by the estate of David Bowie. But I think if you're a David Bowie fan, there's a lot in it, and it's not the normal biopic. It's not the normal like it's very kaleidoscopic, and in the way that Elvis isn't. It's sort of the not Elvis. Okay, love that. So I, I really love that, that, you know, we have kind of, we're able to talk about this year of kindness. I think it's really heartening, especially consider, like, it's heartening that the, our art is showing us the, the stuff that we're, I, I think a lot of us are craving because we're not finding it in our everyday lives. And I'm hopeful that, you know, like that thing where it's, you know, does art imitate life? Life, all that shit. Like, I, I'm hopeful that like this starts a feedback loop of like, oh yeah, you you can be the Ted Lasso in your own life, friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it a side effect of the pandemic? Is it? Yeah. Is it more like? And I hate to be like, is it more that people are more online now? But yeah, because people say that 
the pandemic really drove us apart because it, it put people away into their own boxes. It kept everybody inside and whatnot. But I, I think what it did also or hope that it did is that it really made us concentrate on the fact that like we are a society like every every person is part of something bigger. It's not just about isolating. It's not just about being alone and yeah. the, these conversations are important and I, I do I did think about that I was like is this a result of the fact that like hopefully if you're a good person you were like really looking out for others and really hoping you know not to not to actively harm other people and right. that's I, I think that's being reflected to us through our media not all of it certainly not all of it no, but like no. but the better things of the year yeah, and I even think, like, you know, we didn't talk about Top Gun a lot, and I don't think we needed to, but, you know, I think a lot of people thought about, like, oh, you know, there's, like, Top Gun lives in a fantasy world where, like, the bad guy is, like, random yeah. and not I named. Heard, I heard that they don't even name the no. bad guy. That's deranged to me, but whatever. The, this is a country that is a bad guy. Um, and, it, you know, it really, people said, like, it's so unpolitical. And see, like, if only movies weren't woke... Um, it would make money and be good whatever i think that's bullshit because i think actually top gun has a lot of emotional and empathetic moments like the treatment of the character of ice and val kilmer of it all like these are about people who men straight men who are showing love and care for each other like and i think that's important and so i think you know i don't know trying to find the love and empathy in all these things i think is you know, it, it, that's, that's part of the reason why I like Kimmy so much. Kimmy is yeah. not a downer movie. That It's a, you know, in the end, like, if we just treat each other better, better and if we... And, and it's a story about a woman who is, like, trying... Fucking pushing past her own trauma to help another fucking woman. Like, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, and, and hopefully, you know, we see more of that. Like, you know, we saw the love between the brothers and sisters in Nope. Um, you know, the love of queer friends in Fire Island. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, uh, I also saw Better Nate Than Ever on Disney Plus, which was oh. maybe, maybe the gayest little movie I've ever seen for, <laughs> for teens and kids. Gorgeous little movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, turning red, the love there. Um, yeah. I I'm hopeful that we we're 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 writing something really special right now, and um, you know I'm hopeful that we get more of that in um, the next year. I want more Miss Harris goes to Paris. I want more. Yes, please. The, the expanded universe of Miss Harris. <laughs> you know there are sequel books. There <sighs> are sequel books. So oh my god, where's she going next? I Ms. can't tell you. Miss Harris Go goes to, to Paris. <laughs> um, but yeah, anything Miss <laughs> Harris goes to scare us. It's the horror movie sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to say, Kevin? No, I think that uh, that perfectly wraps up this year. It's it's been a a great year in terms of movies, and obviously, like the way that we're seeing them is maybe changing. Um, but I think I don't know. I yeah. I especially having this conversation now with you, I really think this was a fantastic year for movies yeah and i want to say like to everyone you know if let us know did we miss something like tell us what i mean right now is catch-up season like catch-up for awards season even though awards are stupid and dumb they are until they aren't um and uh yeah i I know that there are a lot of movies that we didn't mention or or talk about but um yeah i'm sure both you and i are going to be like 
watching, watching, watching as much yeah. as we can. I, um, I still have to make my uh, top film of the year video. Yes. I normally make one every year. I've been doing it since 2011. Hopefully you guys will watch that when it's done. I don't know when it'll be done. I'm going to try and get it done, obviously, uh, by the end of January, if I can, maybe sooner. But yeah, I've, I've started working on it and I'm art, I'm in the phase where I'm like, I hate this. It's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever made. But uh, hopefully... Which is natural. Uh, a natural yeah, state. That's, that's the... That's the, That's way it the is. artist process. But uh, yeah, hopefully it turns out great. And hopefully you'll enjoy it. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. It has been a great year. And we hope you continue to listen throughout this year. We got a great number of subjects coming up. And Louie and I have a bunch of stuff to discuss coming yeah. up with all oh. of that. So, uh-huh. uh, But if you want to reach out to us, you can always find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. Or on Facebook, just type in The Mixed Reviews. If you want to email us, you can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at the underscore mix underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to our back catalog of our all of our previous episodes and a bunch of these movies we talked about over the year as well, you can always find us on any podcast app. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Audible, pretty much anywhere that you can think of. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, stop by, leave us a five-star rating and write us a little review and we'll read it on the show. Yeah, we love our love notes. Um, we're on Patreon. If you want to like support the show, join the community, hang out, have fun, you'll see videos of us uh, doing the show and um, some special extra stuff too. Yeah, we promise there will be episode updates this year. We, we've not forgotten you. It's just holiday seasons, they're really hard. But we appreciate you all. We love you so much. And we will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. That there were more than the 24 hours in the day. Oh. Bing. A five, six, seven, eight. Ha! Oh, you get two queers in a room. Sweetie, listen. The kickball changes are going to come. A pot of beret. Do you have your prop, Tommy Gun? We're going to shoot all those lights, baby. Oh, my God. Honestly, it would look better than what's being shown on Broadway right now. So. <laughs>